Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. In this series called By Design, Pastor Matt Smith acknowledges the longtime struggle to maintain healthy relationships and encourages us to examine God's original design for the way we see and live in relation to one another. Well, good morning, church. Man, uh, I'm glad to be a part of God's church, aren't you? Amen. Come on. And I'm just, I'm honored and I'm grateful to see what God is doing in the life of our church and just the opportunities that um, he's been giving us. And I've been praying that God would just continue to give us platforms to be his church in any way, in any place that we can. And man, God's just opening all kinds of doors for us uh, to continue to have influence in our community and make a difference. Um, Thank you for your willingness to give. Man, I I had no idea what to expect, but the fact that we are able to send almost $12,000 to help these families out is just amazing. Thank you so much for stepping up like that. Also, maybe I want you to celebrate with me what God is doing on Monday nights. Because it's been powerful. Like, we've had two Monday night gatherings. Each gathering has had over 300 people turn out. Tons of people. Yeah. But more important is just the stories of thank you. Like, we finally now can come to church. Because situations in their lives just did not allow them to be here on Sunday mornings. And so just continue to pray that God would leverage these Monday night services to reach people who just needed to be reached. They needed a church home because of jobs and other situations. Like they have just been disconnected for church from so long and they're finding hope and community again. And it's just awesome. And, and another thing that I just want you to know about because I want to invite you to get involved is uh, if you've never heard of the, the organization Young Life who has an awesome ministry to students all across our county and God is opening doors for them to get into schools and do amazing things and just take the gospel. We have the directors of uh, the Randolph County Young Life here attending our church now and they need their church to step up and come alongside them. And so if you'd be interested in getting hearing more about Young Life and getting involved in that, um, Will Cheryl and some other guys from, from Young Life are going to be right down here, down front after the service this morning. They especially need p- people to volunteer at Ashboro High School, Providence Grove High School, just people who are willing to invest in students. Because uh, student ministry is something that we're continuing to, to evolve, and we, we need to get them before they turn 18. Amen. Come on. like we need to, I mean, y'all laugh, but I'm serious. Because the statistical disadvantage is that once they leave high school, if they have not committed their life to Christ by then, they're more likely not to do it ever. And so aren't you glad, number one, that we have an amazing children's ministry that's doing amazing things back there? Our student ministry has evolved right now. There's 5th, 6th, and 7th, and 8th graders that are going to be, they just left worship, and they're headed back to their class, and they're going to dive into our topic today on a lesson that we're now writing that goes along with the message, so the middle schoolers are diving into the topic that we need, and tonight uh, uh, and throughout the week now, we have high school guys and high school girls groups that are meeting where we're pouring into the next generation, building up an army for his glory. Amen. Amen. All right, now let's dive into the Word. Uh, because today, uh, today's going to be one of those days that, I'm, uh, that a lot of people in the room are going to tend to check out. Um, so, and let's just get dive in. I'm talking about marriage. Uh, because here's what we've been, we've been learning. Let me recap you. We've been learning that, that life is not difficult by design. Amen? Like if you look at God's original design, if you look at how God set this whole thing up in the beginning, it was easy and it was good. 
Like, like life is not difficult by design. By design, it was very, very good. The way God originally had this thing drawn up for humanity was going to be good, it was going to be easy, and it was going to be perfect. And we had a great relationship with him, and we had great relationships with each other. But that good did not last very long. Because there came a point when, when humanity was disobedient to God. And that disobedience has disrupted stuff. And that disruption has increased the difficulty of life. And, and when you go back to that original design, what you see is in that design, God created this relationship called marriage. Go back, look with me. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, pick up with verse 18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It is not good for man to be alone. So this is what I'm going to do. I will make him a helper suitable for him. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So God saw that Adam by himself, that man was not good alone. And so he said, what I need to do is I need to create him a helper. Not a slave, fellas. Not a servant. Not, not even a friend. Like, like a specific relationship. God said, I'm going to design a specific relationship that's going to make it better. Verse 21. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord made a woman from the rib and he had taken out of the man and he brought him to her. And the man said, this is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. For she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. And they become one. They become one. One, they become one flesh. Verse 25, and Adam and his wife were both naked and felt no shame. See, that what, I have to, what I have the responsibility to tell you today is divorce was not a part of the design. In the beginning, divorce is a byproduct of the disruption. Like when, when God designed it, just like everything else, like, like God designed that a husband and a wife would come together and that they would, be, they, they would be one. And divorce was not part of the original design. Divorce is part of the disruption. And now here's what I don't want to happen. Number one, single people do not check out. Because you got a chance to do it right. Amen. All the married people should have said, amen. <laughs> like you get a chance now to not make some of the mistakes that many people in the room have made. Like you get a chance to say, you know what, before I step into marriage, I'm going to commit to what God desires for it. Because a lot of us didn't do that. Divorce people, the last thing I want you to do right now is feel unnecessary guilt and shame. See, what you went through was not part of God's design, but it's a byproduct of the disruption. Because, see, the disruption broke everything, including marriage. And what I want, what I want you to know is, as we read verses like this, Malachi 2.16, this is what, for I hate divorce, says the Lord, the God of Israel. And now I know you've heard that. Here's, God does not hate divorced people. God hates what divorce does to people. Come on, I need y'all to engage with me now. Because see, like, I, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, when I preach this message, I know how the enemy can begin to work. And, 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 and filter my words through his voice in your ear. And just cause you just to feel overwhelmed and shameful and guilty. But this is what I want you to know. Like, God hates divorce. Because, let me tell you something. You know who hates divorce? Divorce people. 
Because you know firsthand the pain and the difficulty that it brings. Like I've never seen a divorce that was easy. No matter what the circumstances. A divorce that didn't put people in inner turmoil. Even, even when the divorce was perhaps unavoidable. It's still painful. Because nobody, nobody ever gets married hoping to get divorced. I don't think. It was not part of God's design. It's, it's a byproduct of the disruption. That now because of the disruption and disobedience and sin and the brokenness, it makes marriage harder. Remember, the disruption increased the difficulty and increased the difficulty in every arena. And with marriage being a part of the original design, it only makes sense that it too is now under more stress. Marriage is difficult. And like to, to get it, to, to experience God's design for it is not an easy path. It is not an easy road. But what Jesus has done is, is given us the things that we need that if we, if we really desire to experience God's design, He can give us the power and the wisdom to start stepping towards it. And my hope is today is like no matter where you are in your season of life, that you are reminded of what God's design, and despite what the past holds, commit to what his, your future can be in Him. You with me? Like it's the day forward, from this day forward. Like there's so many, like you can't, you can't erase the past. You can't change a lot of the mistakes that, that, that you've made. But what you can do through the power of the Spirit and through the, the infusion of God in your life, you can step towards God's design for this area of your life. All three of y'all, I appreciate y'all with me. Right? Okay. See, so let me, let me just, can I just remind you, like, like, let's just look at Scripture and be reminded of what God really desires for marriage so that when you walk out of this place, no matter what position of your life, whatever lies ahead of you, you're going to chase God's design. You're going to pursue His design. Like, you're going to walk out determined to follow the design as you move forward in this life. See, by God's design, two become one. Two become one. This, this wasn't just like the design in creation. Jesus reminded us when he stepped on this planet that that's still God's heart for marriage. Look at Matthew chapter 19. See, in, in, in Jesus' day, like because of the disruption, divorce had become like so nonchalant. Y'all think divorce is just casual now. It was just as casual in Jesus' day. Like basically, like, and especially in Jesus' day, it was even more so because in Jesus' day, you know, you know women, women had no rights at all. And I hope you know that when you see that what, what Jesus has done and the way he treated and empowered women, that as believers, we should be doing that as well. And, and when you see what Jesus dealt with, see, they were coming to Jesus, and pretty much if a man just woke up one day and said, she burnt the coffee, we're divorced. Like, it really had become that simple. And they come to Jesus, and they're like, like they want to know about this whole thing. Because, see, all along, we know, like, when you're not living in God's design, there's something in you deep down that knows it. Because it's wired into the way that you were created. 
I really want to preach that point for the next like 30 minutes, but I don't have time. Because see, like, like you were created by God. And so there is, there's a connection that you have with him because you're created by him. And so like there's a Jesus-shaped hole. There's a God-shaped hole in you. And you can spend your whole life trying to fill that with something other than God, and it will never work. Jesus says, so they come to him like, you know, about this whole divorce issue. Jesus says, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined, let no one separate. You see, Jesus is reinforcing God's desire for marriage right here. That, like, you need to know that, like, like, that God desired that a man and a woman would come together and that the two would become one. Like that, in creation, he's, he, again, he's pointing back to the design. That the two become one. Like, that is God's desire. That, they, that these two people, through the union of marriage and through the physical act of sex, would now be united as one flesh. And that's why God has reserved that activity for marriage. Because there's not, it's not just a physical act, it's a spiritual act as well. That unites two people in this union. And God, once again, in Jesus, is pointing them back to that. Verse 8, Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. Like this provision was made because of the disruption. You follow me? But look, but it was not this way from the beginning. Like what Jesus is simply saying there is like the reason why divorce is now part of the equation is because of the disruption. But in the beginning, what your heavenly father, what your creator wanted for you in this marriage relationship is that two would become one forever. Like that was, that was his heart. And I think as, as, as a people of God, we can't let the fact that we've missed the ideal cause us to give up on it. I think that's what happens. is because of the disruption, we just look at God's ideal and think, well, we're just going to give up on the ideal because for so many of us, we, we, we've missed it, not just in this area, but in a lot of areas. So before you start judging the divorced people in your life, maybe you should look at the mirror for about five seconds. Because like it's, it's funny where we want to put judgment and how we elevate, well, at least I ain't divorced. Well, you've done a lot. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> Come on. And what, God, what Jesus is saying is like, all right, like he's, pointing them back to the, he's pointing them back to the ideal. He says, if anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual morality and marries another woman commits adultery, the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Yeah. See, in, in, God's, in God's ideal, in God's design, two become one. And you know why? Because in God's ideal, two are better than one. Like when we do marriage the way God designed us to do marriage, we're better. Like, not just being married is better. Being married and functioning the way God intended marriage to function, that makes us better. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. 
If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity the one who falls down and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though they may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. That we're saying is like when two become one, and when two become one, the way God wants two to become one, they are better as one than they were as two. And then a cord of three strands, like two that are wrapped around unity in faith and belief in God, like they become a powerhouse to take on this world and all that has to throw at them. Like by God's design, two become one because when you become one the way God wants you to become one, it's better. It's better. But then the question is, all right, how do we, how do we get to this ideal? And we have to wrestle with some scriptures about that. Because for two to become one and two to be better than one, I think scripture says then two have to surrender to one. Like the best chance of us experiencing God's design for marriage is the husband and the wife surrender to the same one. So that's, what, that's at the heart of what Paul's saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? Or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple and God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. That what Paul is saying, like the best chance for you to experience God's design is when both people are pursuing God. Come on. Now, let me tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that we don't have relationships with people who don't believe. It's not what it says. It doesn't say if you're here and you're married and you're a believer and your spouse is not that you get to walk away. It does not say that. You hear me? What it says is if, if you're both going to function as one the way that God desires you to function as one, your best chance when you get yoked together is for you, the two, to be surrendered to the same one. Because when two are surrendered to different ones, it makes it difficult. And those of you who may be in those relationships, you know that difficulty. You've seen it. When your desire is to pursue and honor God and theirs isn't, it brings challenges. It causes tension. Two surrender to one. See, when two surrender to one, then two can submit to one. Y'all know this verse, Ephesians chapter 5? So in verse 22, wives, submit to your own husbands as you do the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to your husbands in everything. Now, the men in the room love that verse. Because we like to isolate it and take it out of context. Like, Bible says submit, woman. But see, you, if you just isolate that verse, you will completely ruin your marriage. Some of y'all tried it. Because see, you've got to look. See, it does. you've got to start with verse 21. And everything that you read after this verse 21 has to be filtered through verse 21. Verse 21 says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That this is a relationship of mutual submission. 
The two submit to one. And it's again, see, see, that verse is so important. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That out of reverence to, to Christ, we're going to submit to one another. Which, you know what, simply that means that what, what we need will now always be more important than what I want. That's the heart of that verse. Now, what we need will always be more important than what I want. That as we're traveling through this life together, what we need will be more important than what I want. And I'm going to submit to what we need instead of what I want. Not out of appreciation for you. Not out of obligation to you. Not out of expectation of you. But out of reverence to him. It's in, remember last week I said it's not in reaction to their behavior. It's in response to who he is. That's how you approach marriage and that's how two are able to surrender to one and and see husbands y'all like that other verse but let me read you this next one verse 25 husbands love husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself after all no one ever hated their own body but they fed and cared for their body just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body see like that whole that whole submission thing your wife will never have a problem submitting to you when you love her the way Jesus loves the church. Amen. That will be an easy task. Because that's a selfless, sacrificial service kind of love. Like that's God's ideal for marriage, that two become one because two are better than one. And if that design is really going to be achieved, our best shot is two have to surrender to one so two can submit to one. And we can have this healthy relationship that Jesus desires us to have. And that's my hope for you today is to have a desire to start stepping towards that kind of relationship. But here's the thing, just like all the other difficulty brought on by the disruption, like it's hard for us to fix these things alone. Like if we're struggling in our relationships, and man, as I've pastored this church, the number one conversation I have constantly is with married people who the, the disruption and the dysfunction is just tearing them at the seams. And so as a church, what we have to do is, is come alongside people. I bet there are people in this room that said, you know what, had I had the church around me in that moment, maybe that relationship wouldn't have turned out the way it did. Or maybe this thing wouldn't have happened. And our goal is... is, is to come alongside you. And again, we're not here to fix your problems, but to help you carry those burdens and to help be a voice that will help maybe help you navigate the difficulties of marriage so that you can make it. And we're so blessed to have two people in our church whose passion is marriage and married couples. And I just want them to come up today because I, number one, I want you to see their faces because there's somebody in the room that you need to reach out to Chris and Nikki Foster. And they're going to go ahead and make their way up on the platform now because they're... They sit down with couples probably at least once a week at this point. And their job is not to judge you or even try to tell you how to fix everything, but to be a support system to help you navigate it. And I think like these, these guys have seen the disruption firsthand so often. And they're here because they just want to share their heart of things that they've witnessed and they've watched. They'll be the first to tell you. Uh, if anybody ever tells you they're a marriage expert, slap them in the head and run away. 
because there's no such thing. Because there is no perfect marriages. But could y'all just show them some love just for coming up to, to share with us today? Thank you, Matt. We appreciate this opportunity to be able to share. For those of you that maybe don't know us or haven't had the chance to meet us yet, we, we just love being a part of this church and are grateful for the opportunity to serve in this capacity. By no means are we marriage experts, but this is just something that the Lord has laid on our heart as we serve our brothers and sisters in the local church that we feel passionate about. And it's something that's bonded us together since we've been married, is to serve in this capacity. We were blessed to be able to see marriage modeled really well um, in each of our parents. And so it just, it gave us a good foundation for that. Maybe you had that upbringing and maybe you didn't, but what models you've seen plays a huge role into what your view of marriage is. And so um, today as we have the opportunity to share, we just want you guys to kind of know that that's our heart. We, we view this as an opportunity to serve you, our brothers and sisters here in the local church. So over the course of time, we've met with a lot of different couples in a lot of different seasons of their marriage. And today we just want to briefly share four main areas that we're starting to identify or we have seen time and time again as things that seem to impact marriages that we um, come across. And so those four factors are concept, cover-up, condition, and communication. And Chris is going to share the first one with you. So uh, as Nikki just mentioned, these are this is not an exhaustive list that includes every single thing anybody could ever go through. But this is a summary as we meet with couples. Uh, we do premarital counseling. We do counseling for married couples and support for married couples. And these are, this is just kind of a summary of, of some of the things that we see. And the first thing she mentioned is concept. And what we mean by that is people don't have the right concept of marriage uh, based on God's design. As we've been walking through in this series about what is God's design for our lives, sin disrupted that. And therefore, our view uh, is, or the lens that we view marriage through is off a little bit. And so I can sum it up concept in these three points. The first is that we come into it with an incorrect view of marriage, what my role is. Matt kind of made a joke, and everybody knows the stereotypes about, oh, this is, you know, oh, I can get this woman to do what I want or what I say, because that's what the Bible says. You know, you, you mess that up and interpret it incorrectly, but people just have that incorrect view to start with. The next point under concept is that you have an inaccurate view of self. What is your role coming into that marriage? You're not viewing that from a biblical perspective, and therefore, you're already off to a bad start because you're, you're viewing incorrectly what, who you are and what your role is in that. And then the third area related concept is you have an inappropriate view of your spouse, what that person's role is in the marriage. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the last one I just said. And so, you know, whether it could be um, just from maybe sin that you have committed in your life or maybe it could be from something that's happened to you in your life. Maybe, maybe you didn't commit a sin. Maybe something else was done to you, but you have an experience in life or baggage or something bad that happened that causes your perspective of marriage to kind of be off. And so you just, you're starting at a bad place. And so we like to just come along beside of you and just make sure you kind of recalibrate that idea of what your marriage can be, what the concept and the idea of marriage is from a biblical perspective. The next one, and I would say this is in a lot of marriages that are different, a difficult place. We would call that cover-up. Now, cover-up can mean a lot of different things, but we've kind of narrowed it down to cover-up can be specifically deception in a marriage, where that means somebody intentionally in the relationship 
is keeping something from their spouse. So that could be a lot of different things. There are things such as unaccounted for spending, unaccounted for time, inappropriate relationships, addiction, pornography. Those are the types of things we're talking about or that we're seeing when we talk specifically about the deception part of relationships. The other one that we don't always really think about when we think about cover-up is the denial aspect of marriage. There are a lot of people that come into it and they may fully understand what's going on in the relationship. One or both parties may understand, hey, you know, there's something not right, or they might exactly know what's right. But because of what may be the ramifications or the fallout of that, they're choosing not to even address that issue. And so because of that denial, it's, it's continuing to grow in their relationship and they're just not at all acknowledging it. And they're just saying, we may not be great, but if we do bring this to light, the fallout could be worse. So we see that a lot. The other thing, which kind of sometimes, sometimes cover up is a result of the next one. And the next one is condition. People come into marriage and they themselves are not in the best condition. And that can mean a lot of different things. It could be an, an undiagnosed mental health diagnosis. It could be some type of trauma they've experienced. It could be an addiction. It could be some type of baggage that they're bringing into a, from a previous relationship or experience. And because of that, they're just not approaching marriage or coming into the marriage the best person that they could be. And so in that situation, the biggest thing with that, I'll just give you a little where we would start with that, is that you have to acknowledge to yourself where you are, which, which thing is being present in your relationship. And then you have to be willing to share that with your spouse. And most times, if you're in a situation where condition is what is impacting your relationship, you're going to need outside support. That could be a mentor, that could be a friend, or a lot of times that's going to be a professional that's going to be able to help you and support you with that issue. And then the last area is communication. And this is an area that, uh, you know, communication is something you hear about all the time in marriage and relationships with other family, friends, coworkers. You know, we had bad communication, and that can be a problem that causes... You know, issues in a relationship in general. But it's a stereotype for a reason. It's because we're not always good at that. It doesn't come naturally to be a good communicator. But as we support couples, we see two main areas within communication that are struggles. The first one is kind of obvious. Uh, it's the one I was kind of alluding to just now that we all struggle with, with different relationships. And that's bad communication or like poor communication. So your interactions are negative. Maybe you have things that have happened in the past and every time you get together just one-on-one, -on -one, it comes up, or you argue, or you continue to have a bad interaction over something. Maybe even you've supposedly forgiven your spouse for something, but then you bring it up again when something comes up, and the interactions just tend to constantly be negative. That's kind of one area. The other one about communication is you've kind of landed at a place where you say, we're too busy to communicate. And everyone on some level can relate to that with the busyness of life. But when we meet with couples, that's something that we hear a lot. Oh, we're fine. Oh, we're doing good. When was the last time you had meaningful conversation or discussed, you know, something important about your marriage? Well, it's been a while, or I can't remember. And those are the couples that we also want to, like Matt was saying, lean in today. You know, you might be out there and you might think, I've never done X, Y, or Z terrible thing that the world would view as, oh, that means you have a bad marriage. But maybe you're not communicating about important things. Maybe you're not growing 
iron's not sharpening iron in your relationship. And a lot of times we see good intended, well-intended couples that say, we challenge them on this area and they say, oh, well, we'll have meaningful conversation. We'll have, you know, time together to support each other when, and then you fill in the blank. It could be when the kids are older, when we retire, when we go on vacation. And so our, our heart is for those couples as well, because you might be out there thinking, oh, we're good or we're fine, but are you really growing? Are you challenging yourself? And then I'll, I'll wrap up the communication point by saying this. As we come along beside and support couples, we often tell them, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your relationship with the Lord, you know what to do in a sense. If you've been to church or you've you know, spent any time you know, within what the culture shows you, can do, in a positive way, what the culture shows you to do and how to grow, and that's read the Bible, you know, pray, surround yourself with like-minded believers that can encourage you. We, we know those things will help us grow in our faith. But what tangible things are you doing to grow in your marriage? What are you actually doing to make your husband or your wife better, closer to the Lord? And so all four of these areas, this isn't just Chris and Nikki's like helpline. You know, you're not calling the 800 number and we give you some tips for some things we came up with that we thought are convenient or cool or culturally relevant. Everything we do, church, is to point you back to Jesus and the example that he gave us in the Bible. Amen? And so as we meet and we support couples, we, we want you to know that the best example we have for marriage is Jesus and his bride, his church. And he was the best example as to how to love sacrificially, selflessly, all those things Matt was speaking about earlier. And so that's what we want to point you towards. And when we meet, we just want to try to uh, keep you accountable for that. And so some folks might think, oh, well, I don't want them to think I have a bad marriage. You know, if, if I reach out to Chris and Nikki, they're going to think we're in a bad spot. We all need help. Nikki and I need help. We have a mentor couple of our own that when we need stuff, we go to them. Everybody needs that to, to get better and to grow. And so the people that we're really worried about are the people that think, I'm good. I don't need any support. I don't need anybody to hold me accountable. I don't need anybody to talk to. We're just, we're, we're okay. That makes us anxious. We all have problems. We all have struggles. Nikki and I do not have a perfect marriage at all, but we just care about marriages growing and being stronger. And so if you do need to reach out, we would love for you guys to do that. There's a really simple way that you can reach out today, and that's by shooting us an email at chris at vintagechurch.net. And those conversations are all confidential, 100%. Um, we're going to support you in the best way that we can. And um, that's what we're here to do. And so we, we thank Matt for the opportunity to be here this morning and share our hearts with that and to be able to serve you guys. We love you guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. As they're talking and they're walking through those things, like I'm doing inventory in my own marriage, because in every one of those, I see pitfalls of where disruption can happen and it can move us off God's design for marriage. And the reason why I really have to have this conversation with you, church, not just because it's biblical and it's in scripture, is because when marriage is done by God's design, it's beautiful and it's powerful and it makes life better. And I know we live in a culture that is giving up on marriage because they've seen it only through the lens of the disruption. But when God really steps in and you experience his ultimate design for marriage, it gives you something that's beautiful and it's powerful. So let me talk to a couple groups of people real quick. Single people, make a commitment. Make a commitment to do it only God's way. Don't settle for marriage other than the way God designed it. You deserve marriage the way God designed it. Divorce people, 
God's grace and his mercy and his forgiveness is just as real to walk you through that as it is to any other thing you walk through in this life. Married people, his design for your marriage is still possible. And stop looking at your spouse to make the change. You be the change that your marriage needs to be healthy. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I hope that you hear and see and feel the heart of your church. I'm grateful that we have people like Chris and Nikki, and I hope that if today you need them, let me tell you, I know this couple so well. They're great friends to me, to my marriage, to our staff. And maybe to walk your marriage back to its design, you need to reach out. You need to have the courage. Remember, you're in a place where it's safe and there's not judgment and there's not pride that you need to have that you can reach out to them. I don't know how you need to respond to what you've heard today, but I know that everybody in the room needs to, needs to let Jesus, let the Holy Spirit do some work in their lives as we move forward. And my prayer is that God would meet you right here in this space, no matter where you find yourself in this life and that he would give you what you need in this moment. If you need to come and kneel around this platform and turn it out into an altar, whether you're single or whether you're walking through the, a divorce or whether you're married and you just want to pray for your marriage and for your spouse, whatever it is that God wants to do in your life, people are already coming, so you can come home now. Would you go ahead and stand with me? And if you feel led to come, would you come as we worship and as we sing and we ask God to minister? Father, I pray that right now in this moment that you speak to hearts. God, thank you for designing this beautiful relationship and reminding us today that there's still beauty in it and that we can still find the design through the power of your spirit and through the sacrifice of your son. And God, I pray that this morning that the people in this room would feel ministered to, that your spirit would just speak to hearts, drawing them close to you, God. The people that are broken, that you would bring mending and healing. The people who are suffering and struggling. The people who the enemy is trying to deal with right now and cause unneeded guilt or shame. God, I pray that you would just step in, that you would speak, that you would minister, that you would bring healing and power in this moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.